or you're welcome to sit or you can stand. Uh, you've probably been sitting a lot. It would probably do you well to stand a little bit. That would be a time when if we were publicly together, you would laugh at my corny jokes. But uh, thank you, worship team, for a little snicker as you <laughs> exit. Uh, you know, part, part of public speaking is that, you know, I've, I've been public speaking for my, honestly, probably my whole life. I've been doing it since elementary school. And it still makes me nervous. And, and, and part of what breaks the nervousness of it is that you kind of connect with the crowd and people will smile at you and kind of like, we got you. And they kind of giggle at your dumb jokes at the beginning. And it kind of breaks the ice and gets you where you need to be. And I'll tell you, when you're preaching to an empty room, you don't get a lot of that. You just don't. And uh, there's, there's a specialness that happens when we come together as the church and we gather together. And you'll hear me say this every time that you watch me online. I do not like this at all. I don't believe this is what God designed. Uh, I don't believe that he, uh, in the New Testament, he's told his disciples and said, one day you'll all be sitting in your own homes watching some bald-headed guy on TV. Uh, I just don't think that was his ideal. I think his ideal was for us to be in community for us to be together. And so, um, you know, it's good. Christians have gone through struggles. I mean, the the wilderness and the catacombs and uh, the exodus and, you know, all all these different times Christians have been separated. And so uh, we will be back together soon. And lest us not forget what we were learning during this time. I'm going to be all over the place tonight. Um, We just got a few minutes together. Actually, we got a lot of time. I might preach until the sun goes down, but uh, we've got a lot of time, but I'm not going to take too much of your time because I'm sure there's some tiger show or something you got to watch on Netflix. I, uh, I, for one, I have no idea what that is. I've just been seeing the memes, but from what I can tell just based on the memes, I'm not sure it's a really good show. So I don't think you should be watching it. Um, this is the first Good Friday service in the history of Faith and Victory Church. We've never had a good survey, good service, a Good Friday service. And uh, so I guess that's a good thing. It, uh, praise the Lord that we're here together and uh, maybe this will become a tradition for us uh, to get together for Good Friday. I like it. So the verse we're going to jump off tonight is 1 Corinthians 15.3 and it's a real simple uh, verse. It says, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now the writer of, the, uh, of 1 Corinthians is the Apostle Paul. And when Paul says, first of all, what he's saying in this scripture is, this is the most important thing that I want you to know. He's saying, uh, if you're going to understand me, if you're going to understand what's important, I want you to understand this. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that's really uh, what we're talking about tonight. Um, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, there's richness in learning the gospel once again. If this is your first time listening to a Christian service, please give up 30 minutes. It could change your entire life. Stay with us. If you're scrolling by, just stay with us. Share it with a friend if you're watching uh, host a watch party. This is a time for people to come together and hear the gospel because this is the most important message for the Christian and the world to hear. It really is. 
Many, many churches make Good Friday a somber night, and I have to tell you, I'm not a very somber person. Uh, you might catch me sad, and I might cry easily, but I'm a, come on, man, let's go. Let's move on. Um, I'm excited about today because this is Good Friday. This is the best day ever. It really is. It's the greatest day in history. Death defeated. We won. This is it. This is the day that we celebrate it. And what happened this day that we commemorated, that we commemorate changes the course of humanity forever. It just does. From this moment on, humanity changes. The the direction of history changes. The direction of uh, religion changes because of this day. And and some people don't believe this day. They don't believe in God, the Bible, or Jesus. But I have to tell you, without going into great detail, this is one of the most accurate events in human history. Um, The the historicity of it is uh, is very clear, um, even outside of the Bible. People always say, well, the Bible just made it up. It's not true at all. Uh, Ancient historians documented this day. They documented the life of Jesus. And, and so today as we gather, uh, we commemorate that day. And, and, and people that are naysayers always say, well, how do you really know it was that day? And yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly if that was the day, but today is the day that we celebrate it. And we should be celebrating it every day. So it really doesn't matter. Um, Romans 5, 6 says this, while we were uh, still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Can you understand this tonight? That Christ died at the exact time that Father God wanted him to die. And people have asked and said, well, how come he didn't die during my time or 100 years ago or 500 years ago? Why didn't he wait until now? Because God knew what he was doing. He knew that 2,000 years ago, the course of human history needed to be changed, and it was at the exact right time. But you have to understand this, that you are alive right now uh, at this time in the world. And so Jesus died 2,000 years ago, and today you are here listening to this message right now, and you are alive for a time such as this. Everything that you're going through, every part of your life that's happening is because God wanted you here right now in the same way that Jesus wanted him right there, right now. The day that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins is the day that we call Good Friday. It's called Good Friday. And for hundreds of years, they've called it that. And it's, some say it's a, a, a change from the term of God's Friday. Some sources say that the, or, uh, the origins in the terms God, God's Friday come from Gottes Freitag. Uh, I think that's German. While uh, uh, others maintain it's from the German Guti Freitag. I, I don't speak German. It's, it's fine. My, my favorite is the Greek liturgy that says that this is the Holy and Great Friday. The Holy and Great Friday. I, I think good is kind of minimizing it. I think it's better than good. I think it's great. Now, here's what's happening, though, tonight as we're here together, is that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and even if you're not, we come to Good Friday service with the full faith and understanding that Sunday is right around the corner. Uh, we're not here uh, celebrating Good Friday or talking about Good Friday and thinking, gosh, man, what happens next? Like we already know the end of the story. We know that Sunday is coming. Now, for me, I'm, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. It's one of the reasons why God be with everybody else, but this isn't me. I will never have a Saturday night service. And the reason why I will not have a Saturday night service is because I cannot celebrate Easter on Saturday night. (laughs) I just can't do it. I want to do Good Friday on Friday. I want to do Easter on Sunday. And Saturday, I want to rest. And so uh, those 
ideas that we have is that we know that our Savior is going to rise from the dead. And when he rises from the dead on Sunday, it proves that he is God and that he has overcome death for our benefit. But today in the back of our mind, we should see and reflect on the cross and see it through the lens of that empty tomb. We see the cross and we know that uh, uh, Jesus is going to die. He's going to be buried in a tomb and Sunday he's going to rise again. And so even today, as we look at Good Friday, it's impossible for us that have, that have become Christians <clears throat> to not think about it in light of Easter. We just can't. But this wasn't the case for the early disciples. Think about that. Uh, put yourself in their shoes. I mean, here's, here's a guy that they gave up everything to follow. And, 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 you know, I have to spend hours writing well-crafted sermons and go to college for years upon years and, and preach week after week to get somebody to turn to Jesus And Jesus' sermons that he drew people to himself was like, hey, come follow me. (laughs) His sermons were, hey, drop those nets, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And I mean, I I wish I had it like that. I wish I I could just step into a church and say, follow Jesus. And then people just drop whatever they were doing and go and follow Jesus. And these are the guys that gave up everything in their lives to follow him. And, and as they walked with him over about three years, um, Jesus promised them paradise. He promised them everlasting life. Uh, he promised that they would experience life everlasting from him. And now he's arrested, he's flogged, he's beaten and crucified before their eyes. And if I'm them, and then I'm just putting myself in, in their shoes. You, maybe you're different than me. But for me, I'm standing there watching this guy. I gave up my life to follow, watching him be beaten and flogged and put on a cross and crucified and stabbed and, and all these other things. And I'm thinking, what, what's going to happen? Like what, what happens to my life now? I mean, I, I, I gave up everything. I went to follow this guy and, and, and this guy said he was the son of God. He said he was Messiah. He said that we could follow him and experience life everlasting. And now he's dead. He's dead on a cross. Where, where does that leave me? All, all of my hopes and dreams are crushed. Now, now, yes, Jesus spoke to them, but I questioned, did they understand what he said? Did they believe what they said? I mean, Jesus spoke to him very cryptically at time in Mark 14, 58. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands. And within three days, I will build another made without hands. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't know exactly what that meant right away without knowing about the resurrection. Me personally, I would have been like building temple, the new temple. Like that's what I would have been thinking. And, And just between you and me, like, I don't think the disciples were the quickest bunch of guys, man. They, they, uh, I mean, you, you read through and these guys struggled with a lot of what Jesus said. I mean, he would speak something from them. Jesus would speak something to him and then he would have to explain it to him in a parable and then explain the parable. And then like, these were guys that couldn't even stay awake when Jesus asked them to stay awake. And so the idea that they had complete clarity where there's some guys staring, like, hey, all right, don't worry about it guys. It's good. You know, he's dead. Let's go hang out for the weekend. We'll come back Sunday. He's coming back. We're going to be on our way. It's going to be fantastic. I just don't think that was the case. I think that these guys thought that this was the end of the story. That their rabbi and their teacher, as they put him in the tomb, they're probably thinking, you know what, this this was good, 
But, but we got to move on, guys. That's kind of the end of the story because except for Jesus, I, I, I've, I've never heard of anybody, you know, being raised, by, raising himself from the dead. And these guys probably are like, well, when people die, they're dead. And, and, and sure, there's Lazarus and other stories, but Jesus brought himself back from the dead. And, and, and if I'm those guys, I'm thinking, man, what do I do? Where do I go from here? But that's not us. Today is not just good, it is great. Today is great for us. Now it's hard for us to celebrate someone's death, but we can celebrate it. We can rejoice in it. We can sing about it and we can live because of it because we know the power of the cross. We know what the cross brings. We, we celebrate this death because we know that Sunday is coming and that Jesus is going to raise from the dead. There's been thousands of songs written about the power of the cross, but it wasn't the cross that had the power It was the blood shed on the cross that had the power. And we sing about the cross. We sang about it tonight. And I'll continue to sing about the power of the cross. We wear crosses and we we think about crosses. But the power wasn't in the cross. The power was actually in the blood. We rejoice in the good news of that day. We rejoice in the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. We, we, We rejoice in it because, again, it changes the trajectory of our lives. Paul said, he said, this is what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And folks, that is good news. It is so good. And and I titled tonight's message, It's All Good. (laughs) And the reason why, because I just kind of like that term, like, hey man, it's all good. But, But it really, like everything that happened, it's all good for us. It's exciting for us. It's, it's all good because, because we received the blood of covering. Romans 3.25 says, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. See, up to this point, God had, it's not that God had looked past sin, but he, he waited for this moment so that sin could be paid for for all humankind, past, present, and future sin, that, that it could be satisfied. And so it's a good day and it's a great Friday because we live under the covering of Jesus because of what he did on the cross. The blood that Jesus bled on the cross was payment for your sin. It was payment for our sin. The Bible says in Romans 5, 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, for, for many people, you hear that verse a lot of times and you just kind of for really forget what that means when it said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, it, it's the moral equivalent of today. If I grabbed you by the back of your neck and I started beating you on your face and, and, and through every other punch, you just said, I already forgive you. Just, just keep punching me in the face. Cause as soon as you're done, I'm going to forgive you. But I've already started to forgive you while you were punching me in the face, While we were still sinners, while we were still sinning against God, while we still hated him, while we were still underneath his wrath, God looked at us and said, you know what, I'm going to send my son to die for your sins. And this covering covers all our, your sins, everything wrong you've ever done and everything you will ever do. And that's good. 
I mean, that's good. That's why it's called Good Friday. It's, it's good that your past sins are paid for. It's good that every action, thought, or deed is paid for. Friend, that's called forgiveness, and that's good. It's good that your sins are forgiven. When you hear things like student loan forgiveness... Now, that's, uh, it's not a political uh, thing that's being put on the table right now uh, because, uh, you know, p- certain people have dropped out of the race. But if, for those of you that have student loans, or I, I had student loans, I got mine paid off when I joined the Army. But a lot of people, I know people that have literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans. I know people that have house notes and car notes and credit card debt and personal debt. And if I came to you and I said, you know what, I just want to let you know that that debt that you have is completely forgiven. Not because of anything that you did, just because I want to forgive you of that debt that you have. Friend, you would be elated. You would be beside yourself. If I called you tonight after service and I was like, hey, bro, uh, tell me what your uh, note is on your house. I'm going to pay it off. You would be on Facebook Live talking about, check me out. I got all this forgiven. I don't have to pay any of this. Hey, you got to hear about what happened to me. Someone came and they just said, I want to pay your debt. And that's just money. But we're talking about a moral offense that you had towards God. And God forgave you of it on this day. That's something to rejoice about. That's something to be excited about. You are not going to have to pay what you owe at all. Now, I still owe on my house, and I used to owe on my cars until I, t- until I took Dave Ramsey's course, and now I only owe on my house. And when all those debts came off of me, I got to tell you that there was weight lifted because I knew that I did not owe anybody anything anymore. It was the same thing that happened when I became a Christian. There was a weight that was lifted. The judgment was gone. The guilt was gone. The shame was gone. I got caught by God and then I got released from all of my wrongdoings. The justification of my sins before God. Romans 5, 9 says, Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. How good it is that we've been justified before God and we can live for Him. Amen? And and I didn't come up with this phrase. Someone else did. Justified means justified, never sinned. Justified, never sinned. That's what the blood covering did for us. It's justified, never sinned before God. I'm a new creation. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The old is gone and the new has come because of what Christ Jesus did on the cross. It's good because it's the blood of redemption. Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now, I don't, I don't know if you know what redeemed means. Um, we, we use that song a lot, uh, song, we use that word a lot in songs in church and we talk about being redeemed and we talk about being set free. But in a, in a purchasing sense, When you have a coupon, you go and you redeem the coupon. You give them the coupon and you redeem it so that you can now own that thing that you're trying to purchase. That's what it means to be redeemed. It means that something has been paid for and now it is owned by someone else. You redeem it. The covering was the payment for our sin. The redemption was the ownership of God of us. Where now God owns us because he paid for us. And and again, if... if, 
much to the surprise of many people nowadays, the law says, if you buy something, you own it. That's what the law says. It doesn't say if you buy it and you own it and someone else needs it, they can come and take it. That's not what the law says. The Bible doesn't even say you can take something from somebody else. People should give it willfully, but you should never be forced to give something. There's a different sermon in that. But if you've bought something, you buy it, you own it, and now it's yours. My wife and I bought our house uh, back in 2004, February of 2004. We, we live in the same house that we bought back in 2004. And I remember when we first bought it, there was this really big, ugly fence right out in front of the house. And, and we moved in a couple weeks early because we, uh, um, we, it was a different real estate deal. And so we rented the house from the lady for two weeks before, excuse me, the house closed. And so we lived in it for two weeks. We didn't change anything in the house. We were just living in the house. And then we closed on the house. And, and I remember we went and, and our house is in Covington for those of you that are local. And we went and we signed in Kent. And I remember that afternoon we drove home and, and Crystal pulled into the driveway. I went into the garage and I grabbed my sledgehammer and I came out and I just started smashing this fence. And, and all the neighbors started coming out from our cul-de-sac because I was just banging this fence. I mean, I, it was made out of four by fours and two by sixes. It was a big fence. And I just beat that thing and turned it into a pile of rubble in probably about 15 minutes. And the neighbors came out. They said, what are you doing? I said, I own this house now. I'm going to do whatever I want to this. I hate this fence and I'm never going to have this fence again. If you ever come by my house, I'll show you. There's still some four by fours in the ground, but uh, I got most of it out. And the reason why I did that is because it was mine. I owned it. I had signed on the dotted line and I owned that house. And if I own it, that means I can do with it whatever I want. Good Friday is great because it means that God has purchased us through Christ's blood and now he owns us. Amen. We belong to him. We are his and whatever his will is, is our destiny for him. And I'll tell you, friend, between you and me, I love being owned by God. People say, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be controlled. I love being controlled. I love somebody telling me what to do and how to do it and how to live and what I can do and what I can't do. I love someone providing for me and protecting me and guiding me. I love it. I love that I'm submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and that he owns me. He redeemed me. He saved me. I was on a pathway of destruction and he pulled me away and made me his. His blood is our redemption. Our redemption means that he owns us. Amen. He's a great father. I don't want anybody else to protect me. I want to be known by him and I want to be taken care of him, being, being taken care of by him. I love what he has done with my life. I love that he owns me. The cross is good and the blood is good because it brings reconciliation. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once brought, uh, who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The Bible declares that we were enemies of God, that we were lost in this world, but through the blood and the cross, we still have, we now have relationship with Christ. And what a great thing that is that we have relationship with him. Amen. How great it is that we're able to <clears throat> enter into relationship and be one-on-one with him. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm worshiping or praying or reading the Bible, and, and, and have you ever had that moment where you sense his presence right there with you? 
where you feel his presence. And it's, it's not just like a, a mental awareness, but it's, it's, a, it's a literal physical manifestation where you feel his presence right there with you, where you're talking to him and you know that he's hearing you and he's talking to you and you know that you're hearing him. You rejoice when that happens, amen? That's the reconciling power of the blood and it's good. See, we live under the New Testament. We live under the time of, uh, of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so we take it for granted. This, uh, this somebody who's a nobody that can get to know Jesus and then become a somebody. And then you have direct access to God the Father. But for thousands of years, friend, that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case at all. Now, right now, I, I, I hope more than anything that you realize what a gift a relationship is. What a gift it is that God has given us uh, 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 the, the means to be in relationship with each other. You know, I was telling Crystal this week, um, I, I had this dream of, of living in a cabin in the woods. I always go and I look online and I'm trying to find woods and cabins because I thought, man, it'd be so fun to live away from everybody else. And I tell you, man, after this month, no. Like, I, that's, uh, like I, I'm glad God gave me this month because I'm like, I don't want that, man. I mean, I, I, I'm, I darn near can't handle this and I can look out my window and see moving cars. I don't want to be in a cabin. I don't want to be alone. I like to be in relationship. I like people. I like being around people. I can't wait to be back together with people. And hopefully for some of you, you've longed for relationship as well. And we'll rejoice when it's back together. I mean, I, I've never been in a time like this where there's been an, absent, uh, an absence of relationship for this extended period of time ever. This, this literally has been, and I know I've been here in church, but, but this isn't church. It just isn't. I'm preaching to empty seats and talking to you through a camera. That's not church, man. This has probably been the longest time in my life that I've gone without being in a body of believers. And it's just not the same, man, because God designed me for being in relationship. He designed you for being in relationship. But how much more our relationship with God? How much more so? We've never had this relationship before Good Friday. We didn't have access. We were separated and we were strangers. We were lost. We we're under this wrath. We were far off from God before the cross. But on Good Friday, through his death and blood, we now have relationship with him. Amen? Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. See, for those of you that haven't read your Old Testament, you don't understand. It used to be that only priests could enter into the Holy of Holies. There was thick curtains and, and thick walls, and, and they had to go through all these cleansings and the purifications to enter into the Holy of Holies. And they would literally tie a rope to these guys' feet because if their lives weren't right before God, God would strike them dead while they were in his presence and they'd have to pull them out by a rope because they couldn't even go into the presence of God to retrieve the body of the priest that had uh, you know sin he didn't know about and now he got struck down and now we through Jesus Christ the veil has been torn and we, we, we walk directly into the holy of holies and we're like what's up father God can we talk and God's like yes please let's have a conversation what a pleasure it is that we can go directly to God on our own. Amen. Today, you that are in Christ Jesus have the same ability to go to God as an Old Testament priest. Without all of the fanfare. I, I was reading Leviticus 16 this morning. Without the sacrifices, without the scapegoat, without all that stuff. 
direct access to Father God. Amen? What a reconciled relationship we have because of the cross. What a great day it is. What a good Friday. No priest, no pastor, or anything between us and God. Direct access to Him. Amen? Lastly, it's good because it's the blood of peace. It's the blood of peace. Colossians 1.20 And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. All sins have been forgiven. We've been bought with a price. Our relationship restored, covered by His blood and held in the palm of His hand. And this is why we can rest easy. Because we know whose we are. We've got literally, we've got the peace that passes all understanding. I understand that people probably look at my life and they think, how can that guy live the way that he lives and believe what he lives? Because I know Jesus. I know that he knows me. I know that he owns me. I know that he's purchased me. And and because of all of those things, I have such peace. All of my sins have been forgiven. Amen. What a great treasure. And, And the truth is, is that peace is so elusive to many people. Peace is an emotion, but it's also a thought. And and many people I know are overwhelmed with their lives and the thoughts and anxieties that reign in them. Some people have no peace. I know that some of you tonight that are watching this, even though you're a Christian and you attend this church, you have no peace. you're, You're worried about your job and you're worried about your money and you're worried about your health and you're worried about your future and you're worried about your kids and your kids' kids and just worry and anxiety of of all these other things that you can't control. You just can't control them. You also have guilt and shame about your past. God's forgiven you, but you, you don't walk in that forgiveness because you haven't appropriated that forgiveness the, the, the abortions that you've had and the sex that you've had and the things that you've done, you, you feel this weight of, of just shame and guilt upon you. And Jesus is on the cross saying, I'm here. This is good. I want to forgive you of this sin and give you this peace that passes all understanding. Good Friday is an emotional day that satisfies the emotions of mankind. You can have real peace about your past, your present, and your future. We serve a right now God that can do right now things. Full faith and assurance for the future that he holds for you. Can, can you just get a picture today? And again, going back to the beginning. These were uh, men that gave up everything that they had to follow a savior. They, they watched him die on the cross as, they, as, as he was put in the tomb wondering what is going to happen to our lives And Jesus rose from the dead and these 12 men went forth and spread Christianity throughout the whole entire globe. And for the last 2,000 years, people have lived and had kids and had food and, and, and conveyances to get to where they needed to go. And humankind has continued to move through. And yet for many today in the greatest technological age that we live in, people still don't have peace because they don't have a savior that promises peace. Would you receive the peace of Jesus tonight as those early disciples did on that Sunday morning that said, you know what? Jesus rose from the dead. We can have peace. We we can live in this world. We can do what God asks of us. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And friend, you get that peace by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to think and picture yourself at the foot of the cross. 
the nails being driven into his hands and feet. And Jesus looking at you with his eyes and saying with his eyes, son or daughter, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for your sins. I'm doing this for your future. I'm doing this so that you can have life everlasting, so that you can live eternally and that you can have the peace that passes all understanding. Tonight, that peace can be yours. Mark 15, 39. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that, he cried out like this, breathed his last and said, truly this man was the son of God. Tonight, I want to encourage you to make that declaration yourself to say, truly, this man was the son of God on Good Friday. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, just recommit your life to him today and say, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. If you're not a Christian, all you have to do is go to God tonight and say, Lord, forgive me of my past sins. I turn away from those sins and I want to live for you. Continue to watch online with us until the church is open and then find a good Bible believing church where you can become part of the congregation of believers. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Let's pray. And then I have a few announcements. So please, uh, please don't leave. Father, we thank you and praise you for this message tonight. And God, I pray for those people that heard this message for the first time. Lord, I pray that it goes down into their spirits. God, I pray for all of us that we would remember always what a good Friday this was. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to send us an email, man. Let us know. Uh, <clears throat> let us know that you gave your life to Jesus. Uh, we can send you some discipleship um, uh, programs and stuff like this. If you're local with us at Faith and Victory, tomorrow we have a, a, a prayer event that we're doing from noon to 6 and, and we've still got 10 slots open. They're 10-minute slots, correct? They're 10-minute slots. And so you can uh, reach out to Pastor Todd Summer, S-O-M-M-E-R. If you're not friends with him on Facebook, friend him. And you can find out how you can get one of those prayer slots. Uh, also remember Sunday, I'm going to be doing a devotional at 7 a.m. before our service at 10 a.m. Put on your Sunday best. And remember to uh, put your uh, pictures online. On Instagram is the easiest. Instagram, hashtag FEC Live. They'll come up right away. Uh, but if you don't have Instagram, you can just message your pictures to Pastor Todd and... FEC life, life, FEC life, not live. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Todd. FEC life, L-I-F-E, lifey. Okay. So make sure you do that. All right. Hey guys, I love you so much. Thanks for joining us on this very first good Friday. I pray that you have a good night with your family and your friends. Um, and we will see you soon. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on everything if you're not already. Okay. We love you so much. Have a great night. Good night. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live team.